Praise God. There is none like you. What a great song. Uh, let's open up to, this is going to be kind of interesting to everybody, Matthew chapter 10. We were there at the breaking of bread this morning, and we're going back. Matthew chapter 10. But we're going to be a little further on than we were in the breaking of bread, chapter 10, verse 46. Let's pray before we begin. Dear Father, we thank you that there is no, no one like you, Lord. And no one can touch a heart like you, Lord. And this morning we ask that you would speak, that your Holy Spirit would reign these words true, Lord, and that they would be effective in each of our hearts, Lord. And we praise you that you're a great God and that you love us so much. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, chapter 10 of uh, Mark. What did I say? Well, guess what? That happens when you're singing. I'm still thinking about the words of the song. So I apologize. Mark chapter 10, 46 is the verse. This is a story that's, you know, it's a very popular story. Blind Bartimaeus. So let's read it together. I'm going to read uh, a living translation just to add a little more emphasis to the story. Starting in verse 46, it says, And so they reached Jericho. And later, as Jesus and his disciples left town, a great crowd was following. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road as Jesus was going by. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus from Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Be quiet, some of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. Teacher, the blind man said, I want to see. And instantly the blind man could see. Because Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has healed you. And then he followed Jesus down the road. Now, the story is also mentioned in Matthew. And that's probably why I was thinking of Matthew. And it mentions two blind men. And I like what they, there's a verse that is Jesus' response to Bartimaeus uh, asking to have sight. And he says that Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And you know, we read earlier, it was a great story that Dean read. Because Jesus was passing by the rich man also. 
I mean, he's always passing by because he has an interest in people. And when he passed by Bartimaeus, you can bet that he knew that Bartimaeus was going to cry out to him that day. He didn't get caught off guard. He didn't get caught off guard also when he came around and the rich man came to him. And the rich man was great. He knelt before him, which was good. That seemed to show that he really, really understood who Jesus was because he knelt before him. So he started off really well. And sometimes we can start off really well, can't we? Come to church. And that's good to come to church. It's good to come into this room and hear the word of God. And some of us come into this room and we hear the word of God all the time. And this man knelt down before and before Jesus, which was beautiful. But then when Jesus looked at him and, and praised God for this look, this look of love. And I bet every person he looked at, the same look was there, a look of love. And he's looking out right now at each one of us. And believe me, his look is love. He loves each one of us. And, and I, it's a sad story, this story about the rich man, because he was told to sell all he had and he can have a right to enter the kingdom, have a right to, to speak with the Savior, to be humble enough to get saved. And he said no. But Barnabas, on the other hand, isn't he a different kind of man? Isn't he a different kind of man? He's the opposite. Because what happened to Barnabas? When you think about Barnabas, I was reading a writer. He says, I suppose this man had been without sight for many years, and there was no one to care for him, so he earned a precarious living by begging. That was his living. He was a beggar. He was a beggar. Sitting day by day on the side of the highway leading to Jericho in order to receive gifts from the passing multitude. He was there sitting beside the road. And it was a beautiful day for Barnabas. You remember that beautiful day when you invited the Lord into your heart? Or have you had that day yet? And praise God, he's passing through again. He's passing through here again. He continues to pass through the world. And you know the thing that really grips me about that as he passed by? One of the things that's real important is if we go to verse 33, we understand that something that's very significant about this story. And it's critical to understand this story. Because he was passing by. He went to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, that's when he had the meeting with Bartimaeus. But where was he going? He was going to the cross. He was going to Jerusalem. He was going to pay the price for each of our sins that day. He was planning that. And a few weeks later, he was on a cross. But he was loving Barnabas enough, Bartimaeus enough. He loved him so much that he, he went, he left Jericho en route to the cross. But he stopped for this dear man. And believe me, he wants to stop for each one of us. 
He's always interested in stopping. Why? Because just like the rich man, he looked at him and Jesus felt a love for him. And I like what he said to the rich man. He felt a love for him and he feels a love for us. So when we read in chapter 10 of 33, it says, behold, he's talking to the disciples. We are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and will deliver him to the Gentiles. He's telling them, guess what? This is what's getting ready to happen to me. I'm en route to Calvary. And this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to go up there and the priests and the scribes, and they're going to condemn me to death. And they're going to deliver me to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit upon him and scourge him and kill him. And in three days later, he will rise again. He's talking like, he's talking about himself. But he's saying these things. This is what's going to happen to me. And that's where he's going. When we read and it says that he came to Jericho and he was going out from Jericho. He was going out from Jericho en route to Calvary. Significant. Tell you why it's really significant. Because it was his last time taking that road. Do we, are you affected by that? The last time. It's always a last time for things. We take a last breath, don't we? Because no, there's no guarantee that any of us will breathe 20 minutes from now, let alone another second. There will be a last breath. Now, those that don't die here, if we're saved, it's because we've been raptured. But there is no option. Either we take our last breath here or we're raptured or he comes and we don't claim him as Lord and Savior and we go to hell. But understand, this was a last trip through Jericho. There's going to be a last message for each one of us. There is going to be a last message. And, and I don't know if, if this is the last message, but believe me, there is going to be a last message. And either he will come and take us to be with him or what? We will die. And guess what? Bartimaeus did something that was really significant, and we need to deal with that. He looked out and he says, guess what? As he's listening to conversations, because he hears an hysteria going on, he hears conversations going on. And what does he hear? Because it says it was a multitude of people following him, which means a multitude of noise. Believe me, clamoring, talking, celebrating maybe. And who were these people following him? It says it was his disciples, and then it was a great multitude. What were they doing following him? You ever thought about that? What were they doing? Well, some followed him for loaves of bread. Trust me on that. They were looking for food for their belly, some of them. Maybe 1%, maybe 60%, maybe 80 Who knows? But believe me, some were looking for food to fill the belly. Some were looking for love. 
the love of the Savior because they saw those eyes. And believe me, those eyes penetrated many people. Believe me, those eyes penetrated me. If I was there, they penetrated me. And I can imagine the blind man wouldn't even, wouldn't, I mean, the, um, uh, the rich man wouldn't even saw Jesus for the first time. That's why I believe he fell down. It's like, whoa, my God, what is going on? But this multitude's following him, and they're looking for various things. Some were curious, weren't they? Just curious. Who is this guy? Who is this man? What's up with him? How in the heck can he keep healing people? What is going on here? Why is this hysteria? What is happening here? Just curious. Looking and just walking and checking it out. But that's it. You checking out church? People can check out church. They can check out God. You know, I want to just, I'm curious. What does he say about this in the Word of God? I don't understand that. Let me dig a little deeper. Well, why does he say that? I don't understand. So we're checking him out because we really just want to know something. We want to have like our feelings satisfied, our curiosity satisfied. Some were doing that. They were curious. And some had the expectation of his reign, his temporal reign. And probably some of the disciples were dreaming of things like that, the kingdom that was coming. A lot of thoughts going on with this great multitude that was following Christ. And believe me, there's a great multitude of people who come around him every day. And it's like there's curious people, people looking for something, looking to have their stomachs filled. And there's people who are honestly looking to have the Lord talk to them. Are you looking today to have the Lord talk to you today? Not me. I'm reading his word. I'm just reading what what happened thousands of years ago. I wasn't there. This is the scriptures. This is God's word. Are you here today looking because you're curious about God's word? You're curious about God. You want to have like something. Maybe you have a need that you need have fulfilled. And you're like, well, maybe he'll help me with this need. Maybe he'll help me deal with, you know, my spouse. Maybe he'll help me with my career. Well, I'm just curious. What's up with God? I mean, what's up with this church thing? Well, Bartimaeus wasn't that way. Barnabas didn't know unless he was, somebody had prophesied, the Lord had prophesied to him that it was the last time that he was going to have a chance to talk to the Savior. Do you know that I have no right to say that you're going to have another preach? I have no right to say that. Because Jesus said, I'm going to come in a time where you don't expect me. And when you're asleep, I'm coming. When you're not thinking of me, I'm coming. When you're out there living your life and doing the things you want, I'm coming at that time. How do we know it's not right now? How do we know? Isn't that gripping? I don't know. And you don't know. And nobody knows because the scriptures say that. Nobody knows. So what does that mean? We should do the same thing Bartimaeus did. Bartimaeus saw the fury. He saw it. And he said, what is going on? And they said, this Jesus of Nazareth, he's coming by. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He heard some stories about this Jesus of Nazareth. He was impressed by it. He knew. He knew. Because of maybe talking to somebody. Maybe he talked to a person that was healed. Maybe he had a partner that was another blind man that was from another town that was healed that came up. And he was a beggar, too. And he came to Barnabas. Guess what, Barnabas? I met the man. I met him. 
I met the Savior, the Messiah. I met him. He's real. Because they promised he was coming. Well, guess what? He's arrived, Bartimaeus. He's here. He's walking around. And Barnabas had all those thoughts in his mind. Something gripped Bartimaeus that day. He had a sincere desire to know the Savior, to meet him. And you know what? I'm impressed, I'm impressed with Barnabas. Because Bartimaeus was a beggar. And he was a blind beggar. So what could he have done? I was reading about, from Ironside, he was saying that those that have visited Palestine, and some of us have visited Palestine, find it easy to visualize the sight of a blind man, a blind beggar. Find it easy to visualize that. Some of us can't see that. We can't see that. Some of us really can. He says that one will see the same thing today. There are sick people, those who are blind and maimed, sitting along the highway, crying, bakshish. Is that right, Sylvia Nadal? Bakshish, bakshish. It seemed to me that we heard that word more than any other all the time we were in Palestine. That's what Ironside said. He said, that's, we just heard over and over. Bakshish, 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 over and over and over. He said it means a gift, change. Please, just a little bit of money. Give me some change, please. What a heartbreaking situation to see. A man, a woman, a family, begging. He says one heart aches as he gazes upon them and realizes how miserable and wretched many of them are. That was Bartimaeus, wretched, wretched, and miserable. And then you, you love it, it says, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Can you say that this morning? Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I said it 13 years ago. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he did. How many in here can say that today? That they said, they cried when they saw the Savior coming. They heard a message. They had somebody spread the gospel through scriptures with them and share the word of God with them. And what did they say? Son of David, have mercy upon me. Jesus, save me. That's what he said. Have you said that? Beautiful words to the Savior. Beautiful words to the Savior. And this could be the last time that he gives you the opportunity to say those. Isn't that... Does it grip you? Because there is a last time. Trust me, there has to be. There has to be a last time. We deal with last times all the time. We have a last day on a job. We have a last contact with, with somebody who's leaving town and going somewhere. We have a last contact with them. Last, we're familiar with last things. We are familiar with them, each one of us. We understand the concept of last, don't we? 
Well, there will be a last message. There will be a last time that Jesus roams through and says, you have an opportunity to cry out to me. Son of David, have mercy upon me. And just like the rich man, he looks at us with love in his heart and says, praise God that you would have that. That you would desire that. Because I want to come close to you. I want to have mercy upon you. Let's go on with the story. Now, a writer wrote, hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. This is what he said. What, is, you know, what did it mean? And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth, as I mentioned, he's passing by. Oh, what a message that was to him. The writer says that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. Jesus the, Jesus, the friend of sinners. He knew he was a friend of sinners. He knew that on other occasions he had opened eyes of the blind. He knew that. And he heard that he was passing by, and he knew that he was blind. He knew his condition. And you know, you think about it, and it's, it's incredible to understand that we have to understand our condition before we cry out. He understood his condition, didn't he? He knew what his condition was. He knew he was blind. He knew he was a beggar. He knew he was lost. He knew he was in trouble. He knew he needed help. He knew his condition. He didn't think he had it all together. He didn't think that, well, I don't need Christ. I don't need anybody. He didn't think that I got it all together. He didn't think that that day. He didn't think it. Maybe he thought it. But that day, he didn't think those thoughts. He realized his condition. He realized, I am in trouble. I'm a beggar on the road leading out of Jericho, and I'm blind. And he realized his condition. And what did he do? He responded. He realized his condition. He recognized that somebody was available that could help him deal with his condition. And then he responded by saying, Jesus, have mercy upon me. Anybody here like that today? We have to know our condition. We have to realize our condition. He realized his condition. Because why would he ask for mercy if he didn't need it? Why do we ask for a Savior if we don't think we need to be saved? Why do we need to even claim that we're a sinner if we don't even think we're a sinner? Well, this man realized his condition that day. He saw himself clearly. Do we see ourselves? Well, I saw myself when I got saved, that I was lost. I was in trouble. I needed help. I was a sinner. And I recognized that he was the Savior. Because somebody shared that with me. And Dean shared it with me. And he recognized that he paid the price for my sins. That he died on the cross for me. I recognized that day when he passed by. I recognized my condition. I saw myself. And then I saw the Savior. He didn't see the Savior with his eyes. But I tell you today, he saw the Savior with his heart that day. Because we have eyes, don't we? And he passes back and forth and back and forth, and some of us never see him. We read the scriptures and we never recognize him. 
We hear that all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And we don't recognize that that's us. All means us. We're included in the all. We don't recognize that, but we have eyes to see. But you have to have a spiritual heart to recognize that, wow, that's me. I am a sinner. I am in need of a Savior to save me from this wretched condition I'm in called sin. And then Jesus passes by and says, well, guess what? All you have to do is do what he said. Call to me. And this story is short, isn't it? It's a short story. It's a great story. And you think about, it says that many were telling him to be quiet. And he crept, kept crying all the more, son of David, have mercy upon him. There were people who were saying, don't you dare look at him. He's not the one. Some were saying that. Some were saying, why would you bother yourself with that low life? Some were saying, we got work to do here. I want to see you perform because I'm curious. I want to see you do your thing. Some said, I'm hungry. But you don't give him his sight. Don't talk to this beggar with no sight. Feed me. When is the bread coming? When is the fish coming? I want me. I want to take care of me. So they were sternly telling him, stop. Don't deal with him. What did Jesus do? He said he stopped. Jesus is walking. Multitude of people around him. His disciples, and and you believe me, he's preaching all the way. He's not sitting there silent. Not our God. Because people were coming up to him probably rotating like a circle. You know, Lord, 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 this, Lord, that, Lord, this, Lord, that. Constant. Believe me, they weren't quiet. They weren't just saying, well, let's just give Jesus some time. They all had their needs. They all had their wants, their aspirations. And believe me, they were coming to him, asking him to fulfill them, to feel a need I have, whatever that need might be. So they said, you know, don't deal with him. Guess what? He is willing to deal with us. He stopped. He said, I'll stop today, too. I always stop when you call to me. You cry out to me, I stop. You cry out to me and say, Lord, please help me. I help. I don't just keep walking because I have better business to do. I'm not looking at high-profile people only. And isn't it great, the story right before this? Because it lets us understand that he loves rich people, too. And he loves beggars, too. And everybody in between. So no matter what our condition, what our situation, what our life is bringing right now, he loves you and he loves me. And he looks out there with his love-filled eyes and his tear-filled eyes. And he says, guess what? Can you call out to me, too? Son of David, have mercy upon me. Can you say that this morning? Because you haven't said it yet. And I might not come back. This might not come into your mind again. You might go out in the world and start getting busy again with life, with walking up and down the streets and going to work and going back and home, going back, just going through a whole rat race. And guess what? I might not come to mind again. This might not be, this might be the last opportunity you have to say, you know what? I don't know him. I am in need. I'm not happy. My life is not right. I'm not at peace. I don't have the joy. Things have been wrong. Because believe me, if we don't have him in our lives, we're not right. If he's not Savior, 
in our life. Believe me. And sometimes he provides a little bit of uh, tribulation. Sometimes to shake us up. To say, you don't know me. And I want you to understand you don't know me. Sometimes he brings a volcano in our life to let us understand that, oh, man, what's happening? Well, you don't know me. Do we have that peace this morning that surpasses all human understanding? Guess what? If we don't have it, some of us, we don't know him because he provides the peace. And it says surpasses all human understanding, meaning it doesn't even make sense. Even when things are wrong, we can have peace. We can have love and joy in our hearts. So is he stirring us up this morning? Do we have something in our lives that's kind of getting our attention this morning to pull us to him? But guess what? He's saying, this is all I want you to do is just say, um, son of David, have mercy upon me. And guess what? That's what he said. I will stop in my tracks. And I will look at you. And I will do what Jesus did, which is ask the greatest question. That can be asked. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you today? What can I do for you? He stopped. He looked at Bartimaeus. What can I do for you? What do you need? And we know what Bartimaeus said. I need my sight. I want to see. You know, when you think about this, and you think about the fact that when Bartimaeus responded, says he threw off his garment and sprang up before when, when they told him because they told him the Savior's calling you. Come on. All of a sudden they're enthusiastically taking him to the Savior. When he realized that the Savior was interested in him it says he threw off his garment. Think about that. I'm blind and I'm a beggar might be the only coat I have. Be gripped by that this morning. What excitement he had. What enthusiasm he had. What appreciation he had that he would throw off his coat and maybe not ever have it again. The thing that kept him warm. He said, I'm willing to give up the thing I have. Everything. To get the Savior. That's what happened. I'm willing to give up my coat. The protection. I'm willing to give up all I have. And that's what it takes. The Lord says, I want you to give up all you have. I want all. Be willing to give. He was willing to throw off his coat and say, and run to the, because it says that he sprang up. And one version says he threw aside his coat and jumped up. Blind man jumping up. Can't see a lick. Jumping up and excited because Jesus is passing by and he recognized 
something special about Jesus, that he was the Messiah, the one that was setting free. Are you excited this morning that Jesus is passing by and he's interested in you? Are you excited about that, that he's concerned about you? He says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. I want to see. I want to see. I haven't seen. And we know what happened, of course. He didn't reject him. And you know, the trouble with many of us today is we don't even think we have a need. We don't even see a need. We're contented, self-satisfied, just the way we are. We have no sense of our true condition before God. We don't have a clue sometimes. And there's verses I could read. I'm not going to read them. Because I can read some verses where people came up and met Christ and they questioned him. So who are you? Why do you why do you think you're the Christ? Bartimaeus did not ask that question. He didn't come questioning God to find out, well, let me see your resume first, Jesus. I've heard about you, but why don't you prove it to me this morning or this afternoon or maybe it was evening. Prove it to me. You're the Christ. You're the Savior. And then I will say, have mercy upon me. Let me see your credentials. The Pharisees, they asked to see his credentials. And think about them on the cross, at the cross of Roman soldiers when they beat him. They spat upon him. This is the same Jesus that Bartimaeus met. But they spat upon him. Do you know that right now people are spitting on him? On his message. That they don't want to hear it. They crucify him over and over and over. Who is this Jesus guy? I don't believe and I'm not going to believe. And then they asked to tell us plainly who you are. And he told them plainly, but they still didn't believe. When he asked him, what do you want me to do for him? Bartimaeus cried for mercy. And guess what? Jesus told him to go your way. Your faith has made you whole. He saved him that day and immediately received his sight and began following him. And where did he go? You ever think about that? It says, and he followed him. Are we following Jesus today? Because if he gave us sight and he redeemed us and he gave us a new life, we definitely would be just like Bartimaeus. And we'd want to follow him. Bartimaeus followed him because he loved him. He appreciated him. And where did Bartimaeus go with him if he followed him? How far did he go? I like to think he went all the way to Calvary. That he was out there watching as they put him up on the cross and he's bawling. Saying, that's the man that gave me my sight. That's the man that rescued me. That's the man that I gave my coat up for. And praise God I did. Now he's dying for me. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. (laughs) Oh, the gulf, the mighty gulf 
that God did span at Calvary. He's passing through. Just passing through. You know, I met some guys. I was at work the other day, and um, they were having a, a meeting, and I was around some agents, and I heard a man talking and a few other agents, and they were talking about the flooding and the earthquakes. And the man was saying, you know, something, he was mockingly saying, you know, something in a the, in the, in the book, in a black book, you know, about that. The other agents were looking at him saying, you know, black book. And he's like, you know, joking. He said, it's in the book. It's in the book about that. And they said, what are you talking about? He said, it's in that book that's in the hotels. That's what he said. I remember it. It gripped me. And they looked at him and they said, oh, we know that book. Do you know that people know that book? You know about Jesus. We know about him. And, you know, they said, we, we know about that book. And he says, you know, jokingly said, but I am concerned about if people start disappearing. Jokingly. Because he knew that when Christ comes, you're disappearing and I'm disappearing and we're gone. And all of a sudden, there's going to be some empty planes, some empty seats, some empty cars, and some empty Christians. Gone. Taken up to heaven. And there's going to be people left behind. You don't want to be left behind, do you? There are going to be people left behind. I'm not taking everybody, he says. But all you have to do is say, Lord, have mercy upon me, and I'll take you. What a price to pay to have freedom, to have our eyesight back, to be able to see spiritually. Isn't that wonderful? And you know what the person said? Somebody in the background said something else. They says, well, when the, he whispered, it will be too late then. Jokingly. Can you imagine that? That means they understand. Do you think they don't understand? They understand that Christ is coming one day, at least it's written in a book, that he's going to come. And he's going to take the Christians to be with him. And guess what? He's going to leave behind those that don't know him. Because that person that maybe the last stop said, well, you know, guess what? I'm going to wait till he comes around the corner again. I'm going to wait for the next opportunity to give my life to Christ. I don't want to do it today. It's, and then it's too late. And he knew it was too late. This man is not one. Maybe he was a Christian. Maybe he was a closet Christian. I don't know. But he jokingly said it. And they laughed together. But he knew, at least he knew it was in the word of God that it would be too late. There is a time that's too late. There's an ending. And then there's a sign at the end that says too late. And believe me, the same God. I know we know him intimately. It says in the scriptures that he wept over Jerusalem. He wept over it. He's going to weep over every lost soul. That's my Savior. I know he's going to weep over them because he's going to say, poor soul. I kept giving them opportunities. They kept rejecting it. They kept thinking. And some people think they're saved. And believe me, some in here aren't saved. I'm telling you that right now. Some in here are not saved. That's the way it is. They are not saved. And Christ is saying, I'm walking through again. I'm going through San Ramon Valley Bible Church. I'm making my little exit through here. And guess what? Can you say, 
have mercy upon me. Because I want to stop. And I want to look you in the eye and say yes. No problem. Welcome to the kingdom. But what do we have to do first? Bartimaeus had an understanding because he recognized his condition. He recognized that there was a savior that could help his condition. And then he made a decision to cry out to that one who would help him in a situation. And God stopped. And God says, guess what? Immediately he was saved. Immediately his sight was restored. Immediately it happens. And all of a sudden we can jump for joy and say, praise God, it happened. Praise God, I'm a new creation. Praise God, now I can follow him. Praise God, I get to go to heaven. Praise God that one day I'll look him face to face, face to face, and I will just bow down to the Savior and my life will never be the same. That is the decision we can make today. No doubt about it. We are no different than Bartimaeus. All we have to do is just cry out, Lord. We understand that he's here. Do we know he's here? I'm telling you he's here. I'm telling you the spirit of God is here. And the spirit of God is passing through. And believe me, if you look around at all the things that are happening on earth right now, all the things that are happening, he's saying, wake up. I'm coming. And I'm stirring it up. So that guess what? That the cream will rise to the top. To the top. I'm stirring it up because I want to get your attention and let you know I am coming back. And as soon don't let you go. I don't want you to go to hell. And he's stirring it up constantly, just stirring it up and causing tribulation because we don't respond to anything great, do we? The Lord just says, well, you know, guess what? No catastrophe, no problem, no situation. Everything is hunky-dory. Nobody responds. Nobody even thinks about anything. But let him stir it up a little bit, and all of a sudden people start to, to, to realize that, wait a minute. I can't figure this out. I don't have it all together. Something's wrong in my life. He points it out because that's what he wants. He wants us to see our condition. He allowed Bartimaeus to see his condition, and Bartimaeus made a decision that day to give his life to Christ. We can do that today, and I'm telling you, we have to do it today. Don't we? We want to play with him? Stop playing. He says, I don't have time for games. There's no games. I'm coming. And when I say I'm coming, I'm coming. And when I come, I'm taking those that are mine to be with me. And I'm leaving the rest behind. Not because I want to, because I look upon all with love. But there will be some left behind. And he doesn't want anybody to be left behind. Isn't it sad that there will be many people, says many people will be left behind. Because they, in their heart, they say, I don't really care. In their heart, guess what? They say, I got it together. I can handle it. I can do it on my own. He says, don't, you can't. You can't do it on your own. You need me. Each one of us, let's pray right now for everybody in this room that if there's anybody else that wants to get saved, that they would be bold enough to not let Satan talk to them, that they would come to the elders and they would say, guess what? Lord of David, have mercy upon me. Son of David, Savior, save me. And he would instantly and immediately restore our lives.
instantly bring us to a right relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, we don't know what to say except you are our God. We don't know what to say more than thank you for going to the cross because you didn't want one of us to go to hell. You were committed to pay a price so that we would never see the gates of hell. But guess what, Lord? You just continue to show your love, and we continue to say no. Help us to say yes, Lord. We love you so much. We praise you so much because you're a great God. And we just thank you that today we have time and get a little opportunity to share your gospel, share your word, and that we can be touched and changed. And we just thank you for the word of God. And we pray that if there's anybody here today, that they would say, Son of David, save me. They will not leave these rooms because this could be the last opportunity, the last chance to have their life restored. We praise you. We love you. Amen.